item on the MLS menu this weekend and from the east coast to the west coast we are going to see plenty of rivalry games this is the SBS show hello everybody I'm Ivan Scalarset it is Friday we've gotten through another week one step closer to Copa America I know U.S. national team fans have got a mixed feelings about that how how fast that tournament's going to get here but it'll be here before you know it we'll be talking about that on this show looking at the projected U.S. national team roster for that, <clears throat> but obviously MLS this weekend, some big conference showdowns. Eight of the ten matches this weekend are conference clashes, and and there's some really good ones on the menu, uh, and we'll break down all of those. I'll have a closer look at every one of those matches, uh, and there's Americans abroad to discuss. Mr. Bobby Wood is lighting it up again. It's Friday. We haven't even gotten to the full weekend yet. He's already lighting it up. He doesn't wait for anybody. He's he, he 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 likes to get the early start to the weekends by scoring goals. We'll talk about him. We'll talk about some of the other Americans abroad who who could be in action this weekend. Uh, NASL week two uh, it gets underway. We'll we'll uh, touch on that a, a bit as well. Uh, the first week was was up headed to mixed results. There were some good results. There were some boring results, but uh, you figure NASL will, will really get rolling this weekend. Uh, we'll definitely touch on some European soccer. And we'll wrap up with a little U.S. women's national team as well. But, of course, we have to kick things off starting with MLS Week 6. And uh, there's, i got to tell you, there's some really good matchups. I feel like I say that every week, I know. But this week, with the fact that it's really heavy on the conference uh, showdowns, there's no mix. There's only two matches that are inter-conference matchups between teams that aren't <clears throat> necessarily vying for... Uh, playoff position. I know it's April. It's early April, so it's like it's not like the playoff spots are, are on the line already. But uh, you know, you can you can you can't win anything in April, but you can lose something in April. And um, you know, I think it's that's why some of these matches are important. Some of these uh, some of these clashes uh, as teams try to jockey for position. You have teams who who are off to fast starts and they want to keep that rolling, and then you have teams who are who have stumbled out of the blocks. And who need to correct it, correct themselves before the hole gets too deep that they're digging for themselves. And there's definitely some teams who have who have dug themselves some holes that that you know could get harder and harder to get out of. Um, and we'll kick things off starting with the first match of the weekend: Philadelphia Union, Orlando City. And uh, I'll be at this one uh, down in Chester at Talent Energy uh, Stadium. Uh, I'm heading down in a couple hours, actually. Uh, this one's an interesting one because uh, these are two of the be- so far early in the season, two of the better teams in MLS. Uh, Orlando is one of the two unbeaten's. However, they are really shorthanded going into this one. There, no, no Kyle Aaron. He has a hamstring injury. He will not be in attendance. No Tommy Redding, who is suffering, I believe, from uh, concussion issues, uh, su- suffered in last week's game against Portland when he had to come out. And then you have Breck Shea, who pulled off the. Uh, Pulled off the goal of the week, ugly tackle of the week combo, and uh, the MLS disciplinary committee eventually caught up to him. As we all, we all knew, we all knew Breck Shea was gonna get it right. We knew he was gonna. It was just like you were just waiting to see when it when it would happen. I mean, he, he, it was kind of like it was kind of like those uh, those those guys who were running from the LAPD yes uh, on Thursday. It's like a super long chase, but you know, at the end, at the end of the whole thing, they're gonna be in handcuffs. Much like that, Breck Shea, you knew he was getting his suspension. I don't think he was ever planning to pack a bag to go to Philly. He knew he was staying home. Uh, without those three guys, it's going to be tough to win in Philly. Uh, the Union are a better team this year. Uh, I know they're coming off a loss to Chicago, which doesn't exactly uh, uh, boost their their claim to be a better team this year. But, you know, looking back on that game, I thought they had the better of the play. Obviously, the red card uh, turn a tide in that one. Warren Corval with a red card um, that really changed things up and, and and helped open the door for the fire. Credit to the fire on that one. Not going to take it away from them. Uh, their defense definitely held up. Uh, the crossbar held up. The the woodwork a couple of times I think for the uh, for the Union. But I think Philly coming back home, uh, they're they're definitely going to look to uh, try to build build up some momentum at home and try to build try to change the stigma of what was formerly known as PPL Park. 
It's the same stadium, new name, Talent, Talent Energy Stadium. Uh, and it's uh, I was there for their opener, their home opener, and uh, it, it was kind of funny to see that where even though they were winning 2-0, they were beating New England 2-0, you had this sense in the stadium that the fans were waiting for the other uh, shoe to drop and for them to blow this lead. That's how bad things have been for the union at home over the years. I, I don't know, for those of you who, who don't follow the union, you might not have even realized it, but yeah, they're pre- they've been pretty bad at home, and, and not just bad at home, but they have found really inspired ways to blow leads, uh, amazing ways to lose at home, and uh, so there's a little bit of a stigma there, so this is another chance for them to win at home, to, sh- to show their fans this is a new era, and Jim Curtin's definitely been stressing that, and uh, trying to tell people that, look, this is a new team, we're not looking at the past anymore, where uh, it's different now, so so hopefully uh, that's what he's hoping to set. He's hoping that message sticks, and it can stick if they win on Friday against Orlando. And you know what? No Kyle Lannan, no Breck Shea, no Tommy Redding. There's really no excuses there. I know the I know Philly doesn't have Maurice to do. They're not going to have Warren Craval, but so what? They'll have Vincent Noguera in. They'll slot him in most likely into the lineup. And you got to figure they're the favorites in this one. Still should be a good match. Uh, Kaká still there. He's going to be a handful. Uh, and that Orlando midfield is going to be pretty, still going to be pretty solid. So, looking forward to that one. Looking forward to heading down to that one. Uh, next up, we have Montreal in Columbus. Uh, the impact and the crew in Montreal Olympic Stadium. I don't believe Drogba will be in the house because of the turf, turfitis. Uh, but this is again, this is the showdown, uh, another conference showdown rematch of their memorable uh eastern conference playoff series and uh the columbus crew man they need a win they have not won a match yet i didn't think i'd be saying this in uh in april week six heading into week six that the columbus crew do not have a win and it's pretty crazy and 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 it you know it's interesting because i would argue that they've had better like if you had if you took if you combined halves right if you took the halves overall for the season they've had some pretty good halves but they just haven't put it together to win a game and there's some teams out there that have have won games that have not played that well, and that's just how, that's how it goes, right? And over time, the quality kind of shines through. Quality will rise to the top, and I think the crew uh, the crew they're a better team than that. They're a better team than their record shows. But man, this is a tough test. They have to go to Montreal, take on an impact team that that has looked good early in the season and has not been easy to deal with. And I know they're coming off that loss to uh, to Seattle, so you figure, okay, maybe they're a little vulnerable. But they're going back home. They'll be back home for this one. Uh, Ignacio Piatti, Harry Ship, the Speedster, Damaduro. They're going to be a handful for, for the crew. But I, I tell you what, I like the crew in this one. Um, and just to rewind, I like Philly, obviously, in the Philly-Orlando one. I'll probably see like a 2-1 Philly win. Uh, as far as Montreal-Columbus, you know what? I think Columbus I think Columbus is going to pull the upset here. I think they're due a win. And I think, I think it's a good matchup. So it remains a good matchup. Uh, I think this is a game where having not having Drogba will hurt Montreal, and I think the crew take this one. And I always I'm always wary of picking the road teams when it comes to MLS matches, but in this case, I'm going to go with the crew. Next we have New England Toronto FC, another conference battle. Uh, two teams that you know haven't haven't had the best of starts. Uh, obviously TFC is on this long road swing as they wait for their stadium to get finished or uh, renovated. Uh, and then New England, who finally got that first win in controversial fashion against the New York Red Bulls last week with the uh, not playing the ball out uh, when the opponent was injured. There was a questionable red card. Questionable, I, I would say it was a bad red card, um, as would most people would say it was a bad red card to uh, Felipe. But you know what? The Reds will take it. And this is their chance to build up some momentum now. Uh, and they're going up against a TFC team that that has struggled, obviously. And... Uh, it's uh it's a game for New England. It's a, they're at home. They, they really know there's no excuses here. They should be able to handle TFC. Uh, I don't know if TFC is ready to get out of the, the counter, the defending the defend and counter mode that they've been on. They they've undertaken this kind of approach to this long eight match road swing, and you kind of understand it on one hand, but on the other hand, at, at some point maybe you need to kind of take the take the reins off a bit or take the shackles off the attack and let and really try to go at some people and. Uh, I want. I don't know if this is going to be that game, but their attack has definitely been disappointing. Um, and I, you know, I thought this, the, the team. I thought the team would be better. I think clearly the defense is better. Clint Irwin is an upgrade, 
but offensively the attack has not been there for TFC. And I know, you know, when you have Jules Yatsudor who's been injured and, and you're trying to adapt to Will Johnson being in the midfield now and how him and Michael Bradley develop a good, a good kind of balance to who attacks, who stays, uh, what, what else the other guys like Jonathan Osorio bring to the table. Obviously, you have the rookie Subasa Endo, but their attack just hasn't really consistently created chances like you would expect a team that has Javinko would create and a team that can afford to let go of Hercules Gomez would create. So I, I don't know if this is going to be the game where the chances are going to come flying. Uh, I, I think New England's defense is going to is going to shut them down. And uh, I think to, it, this is not going to be I don't think this will be a pretty one. I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's a goal fest. But uh, I think this is going to be a one goal game. I think New England edges out one zero and uh, starts to build a little, little momentum uh, as they overcome that slow start. Next in D.C., we have D.C. Vancouver, uh, D.C. United, uh, you know, kind of slogging through a season that I think is inevitably going to be disappointing. Uh, although they got a point in San Jose last week. So credit to them for that. Credit to Ben Olsen. That, that was a good result, even though they blew the lead late and they could have won. They could have taken all three points in San Jose, which would have been really shocking. Uh, now they go up against a Vancouver team that is, uh, you know, they haven't always been that good on the road. So that's where it's a little tricky, where if, if all things were equal and it was, say, a neutral site situation in Vancouver, you would take Vancouver nine times out of ten in this one. But you can never o- overlook or underestimate the impact of, of, of travel and a team having to go across the country to play. And Vancouver's doing that. Vancouver uh, is, is, you know, they, about as far as you can go from Vancouver to D.C. Uh, in MLS. And, and that's not going to be an easy one for them. So I I don't want to. I'm not going to pick D.C. I'll say this is going to be a tie. I'll go tie. I'll go 1-1 one, one tie. Uh, D.C. could definitely win it. D.C. could definitely win it, depending on how uh, sluggish Vancouver is. But I could definitely see Vancouver winning it. So that's why I'm going to go with a tie. I'm going to go 1-1. Uh, and, uh, and well, the thing, the thing that's tough for Vancouver is Pedro Morales is out. He's injured and that's huge because he's, he's such a key to their attack without him. It definitely puts more pressure on a uh, Kekuta Mane, uh, Christian Bolaños, uh, to, to really generate chances. And, and, and obviously Morales has been taking the penalties, all these penalties they've been getting. Uh, but I think they're going to miss his playmaking, his presence in the midfield. And that'll, I think that's good. They're going to, they'll be happy with a tie. Going all the way across the country without Pedro Morales. If you can get a point, I think you're happy. So I think that's what we'll see. We'll see a 1-1 DC Vancouver. Up next, another game I will be attending. Uh, New York Red Bulls sporting Kansas City. Uh, and even though these teams are not in the same conference, you feel like there's a rivalry here, right? Because obviously KC used to be in the Eastern Conference. These teams did see each other in the playoffs. These teams did, did see tons of each other through the years. So there's kind of a back... It's kind of there's a history there, even though now they're not in the same conferences. Uh, and I and I feel like every time these teams play, it's a barn burner. Every time these teams, I feel like every time these teams play, it, it's an exciting game or it's a crazy game or it's you know it, it, it's something. It's not boring. It's not zero zero. I hope I'm not jinxing it, but I think this is going to be a barn burner. I think this is going to be a shootout. Uh, obviously, the Red Bulls are shorthanded defensively. Kansas City still without Matt Beasler and. For those of you who listen regularly, you know, I, I, I hate to say I, I saw I told you guys this was going to happen. Uh, he did not look good when I saw him in Columbus when he was heading back home. And this is pretty much what you expect. And, and, and again, Matt Beasler, he suffered the concussion while he was with the U.S. national team. You have to take it slow with these situations. You can't rush him. There's nothing you can do. You have to wait till he feels 100 percent and you and you can't afford to rush these things. And. Uh, you know, is it going to be a situation like Will Trap last year where he, really, he ends up missing months of the season? Whatever it is, you have to wait, right? You have to do it. And unfortunately for Sporting KC, they have some depth, right? They have some, I mean, it's not Matt Beasley coming off the bench, but, uh, you know, they, they have Kevin Ellis uh, to, st- to step in there. And the new defender that they've brought in this year, Nuno Cuello, has been excellent for them. So that's credit to, to Peter Vermees on that front because uh, they would have really been, uh, <laughs> you know, in trouble if they if they hadn't signed Cuello. Now, Ike Opara is training. I don't know how close he is to being a lineup option, uh, but he, he's someone to consider. Obviously, he's been returning to health himself, and we all know when he's on his game, Ike Opara is as good as anyone in MLS, so maybe we'll see Ike Opara this weekend. Um, but I'll tell you what. I'm going to go. I think this is going to be an offensive display. Dom Dwyer, Bradley White Phillips, the battle 
of the English strikers. I think we're going to see some goals. We're going to see a, a goal fest. Uh, I'm going to go, hmm, uh, I, you know, Red Bulls are usually tough at home. Uh, and obviously they had that resounding home win last time out at Red Bull Arena when they came back to beat Houston. But that defense worries me. That defense. Because, yeah, I mean, it's a patchwork defense. You're playing Kamar Lawrence centrally. You're playing. You're starting call we met, who's okay. But uh, I don't know, man. I think down Dwyer Graham Zussi, I think they could have they could have some fun here. Benny Failhaber, if he's ready to go. Um, I, 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 can't, I, I don't want to. You know what? Fine. I'll say Casey upset at in at Red Bull Arena. I'm sure I'll be proven wrong because Red Bulls could definitely win. They're tough at home, but uh, I just don't. I'm not sold on their defense. Now, if the defense steps up, they'll win. But if not, Casey's going to take this one. And I and, and I think Casey. I think that I don't see the Red Bulls defense stepping up. So I'll go Casey. Casey with the win. Three two, three two. We're going to see a lot of goals. I'm hoping because I'm going to be there, and I definitely don't want to see a zero zero because then it'll definitely be my fault that it is zero zero. Next up. FC Dallas San Jose. Uh, this is a good one. This is a little kind of sneaky under the radar match because you know people don't really take San Jose seriously, and San Jose should be taken seriously. They're a tough team to deal with. Uh, FC Dallas, as we know, uh, really tough. They're, you could argue they're the top team in the league right now. Uh, them in Real Salt Lake, and uh, you know FC Dallas is at home. It's not easy to play there. San Jose coming off the disappointing draw at home to DC United. Chris Wondolowski, Matt Hedges, that's going to be a good battle. Uh, I'm going to go FC Dallas in this one. I, I just uh, I just think being at home, it's tough. It's tough to go down there and get points uh, out of uh, Toyota Toyota Stadium. So I'm going to go FC Dallas in this one. San Jose will make it tough, but uh, let, let's see what happens with Mauro Diaz. Is he back? He obviously was injured last week. He didn't play. They say he's back training. He's off the injured list. If he's back, then obviously, obviously that's a big boost for them. Um so then you have to like their chances. And and, and I'm going to go FC Dallas in this one uh, to win. I'll give them a 2-1 victory. Maybe, you know what? I'll give them a 2-0 FC Dallas win in this one. Next, we have the Rocky Mountain uh, Derby between Real Salt Lake and the Colorado Rapids. Now, before the season began, I think most neutral observers would listen, would, would hear that match and think, oh, man, I, I got no interest in that match. This is... Two teams that didn't make the playoffs. Two teams that probably won't make the playoffs this year. But guess what, folks? Real Salt Lake is a good team. They're, they're a legitimate team. They showed that last week in beating Sporty KC in at its uh, Children's Mercy Park in KC. They're for real, folks. RSL is for real. Uh, is Colorado for real? Uh, you know, they have two wins now, right? So credit to them. Credit to Pablo Mascherani. They're off to a, a promising start. I'm still not sold on them. Uh, and for that reason, them going into Rio Tinto, RSL, you know, they, they, they should, they, they'll have their suspended guys back, Beckerman, Olave. So they'll be close to their full strength. They, they, I'm going to go RSL in this one. I just, they're at home. They're tough at home. I'm not sold on Colorado yet. I'm going to go RSL with the win on this one. Uh, we'll go with a two zero. I think their attack will be too much for that Colorado defense. Uh, but it should be a good should be a good game. It's a, it should be a game that you watch if you haven't seen these teams play. Because uh, I, I think I think this is the match where we'll see just how serious they are about about being better than than everyone thought they'd be. And RSL I think is absolutely going to exceed expectations this year. Uh, they they look they look they look a good team. They look like a good team. So we'll see how they do in this one. Next, Houston and Seattle in a match that could absolutely be. One of the more uh, more exciting goal filled matches of the of the round, uh, the Dynamo man. Their attack is is dangerous. Their attack uh, can put goals on the board, but their defense is very vulnerable. And you have Clint Dempsey coming back to Texas. We know he likes to play in Texas, and uh, and I think this I think this could be the game that Seattle needs to get their offense really going. Their offense hasn't. Their, their offense obviously hasn't produced, right? Even even winning last week, they got one goal off a header. It's not like they're they're, they're knocking it around and combining and creating chances. That's not that hasn't been happening. But this could be the this could be the remedy to Seattle's slow defense. I mean, slow offense, which is, is Houston's defense. And we'll see. We'll see if Owen Coyle, uh, with the with the time off uh, or with the you know with with some time now with a couple of weeks under their belt. Can can get this Dynamo team to 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 play some defense and and 
so I, this is one of the more intriguing matchups for me. One of the matches I'll, I, I definitely uh, am looking forward to seeing because I think this is going to be a good one. I think, I think they're going to be goals. Um, I have to go Houston, though. No offense to Seattle, but I think Houston at home, I think they'll take it. Seattle could definitely win, but I'm going to go Houston on this one. I think we could see a 3-2, 3-1 um, Houston victory. We'll see how Seattle's defense holds up. If Seattle's defense holds up, that's all, you know, all bets are off. Brad Evans is back. He obviously was big. They just shut out Montreal, so that's big. Their defenses look, look their defense looked really good there. So you know what? Maybe Seattle's defense can't contain Houston. All right, so maybe three goals is too much, but I still think Houston will win. I'm going to go Houston two to one, in what should be a great one. Uh, and then you have NYCFC at the Chicago Fire, and I will be there, Yankee Stadium, uh, the rematch of their season opener, which NYC won four to three. Uh, 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 absolute shootout. Uh, it wasn't which, which even though there were seven goals, it wasn't the prettiest game. It was a, uh, it, it was a sloppy game. It was, it was, it was a, it was the kind of game you would expect from two teams with new coaches playing their first games under their new coaches. So now, Patrick Vieira, Delko Panovich have had you know a month now to kind of instill their their, their systems and, and philosophies and 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 get a feel for their rosters and get a better sense for who should go where. Who's ready to go? Who's ready to be a starter? So this this should be a much better game. It won't be. I don't think we'll see. I don't think we're going to see seven. I don't think we're going to see seven goals. But I do think we're going to see a better game than we saw in the opening weekend. I think it's going to be a bit more of a, t- a tactical battle, a chess match. Two teams that like to play a three man defense. We're gonna, we're going to see the you know a three four three against a three six one or three five two. Either you know there's going to be a lot of bodies in the midfield. In this one, in a in a not so big space at Yankee Stadium, uh, this will be a good one. I think this is going to be a sneaky good match. I think this is going to be it's going to be for 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 the true uh, soccer aficionados, the tactical aficionados. It's going to be an interesting match, I'd say. I'll go NYCFC in this one. They're at home. Uh, David Villa with a big one. Uh, I'll go two zero NYC. That Chicago attack still. I still have a lot of question marks. They are they they don't their attack just doesn't do it for me. I know they got a, they, they found a goal last week. Um, but I don't see it. I don't see their attack. They need players. They need players. And uh, they're going to pay the price for that. I'll go NYCFC 2-0. Last and certainly not least, actually maybe the best game of the weekend or, or one of the, the marquee. Definitely the mar- you could argue the marquee match of the weekend is the last one. And it's on Sunday night. You have the LA Galaxy taking on the Portland Timbers in, the, in a rematch of, of what was a memorable game. At, also at StubHub last October, when the Timbers went into LA needing a result and they blasted the Galaxy five was it five two, uh, really really sent a message to the league and really <clears throat> really boosted them on to their run into the MLS Cup final, uh, their their championship run and it started at StubHub Center. Uh, things are a little different now. Uh, obviously the LA Galaxy have, have revamped their team and it, it was funny because I last night as I was working on my my goal.com uh, preview every 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 Friday morning you you can find my MLS preview of the weekend's kind of top um, top topics of the of the upcoming weekend uh, you know and and one of them obviously was this game and this is my pick for the game to watch the must see game and looking and I was looking for pictures of these two teams the last time they played and it was amazing how much turnover there's been between both these teams two teams that are two of the top teams in the league. But the turnover was was I mean it was just kind of a reminder because you know you, you as you're on this kind of hamster wheel of of life covering MLS and following MLS, it's easy to just quickly forget how how much turnover you get. And so on Portland's side, you have you know Jorge Villafania, Rodney Wallace, Maxi Arudi, all gone. With the LA Galaxy, you have Omar Gonzalez and uh, Juninho gone, and uh, it's crazy. I mean these guys were big parts of their teams. And they've all moved on uh, to new to new places, and and it's still going to be a good match. There's still obviously new players have stepped up, and there are going to be some good matchups in this one. Let me tell you, Nigel De Jong will try be trying to chase around Diego Valeri, trying to chase around Darlington Nagby. You have uh, you know the the Timbers wingers uh, with Milano Espria. Uh, trying to go at these Galaxy fullbacks, Robbie Rogers and and and, uh, and Ashley Cole. That's going to be a fun one. You have Fernando Adi against Yele Vandama. Uh, so many good matchups. So many good matchups here. 
Jossie Zardis trying to go at that Timbers defense, which is a little vulnerable right now. Leon Ridgewell's absence is definitely being felt by that Timbers team, and 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 you saw what Orlando did to Portland last week. And I'm sure Caleb Porter has spent the week working on his defense to to to, to make sure that doesn't happen again. Um, but I still see this being an offensive battle, a showdown. I think this is going to be there's going to be goals. I think there are going to be at least four goals, four or five goals in this one. Uh, Sebastian Le- Get Leggett is another one to, to look for. I think it, you know I don't think Jack Barnby starts again for Portland, but if he does, uh, I think Leggett will be looking to, to go at him. So there's some good matchups here. I have to go LA though. I have to go LA in this one. Uh, it is the kind of game that Portland seems to win because they you know they, they need it. They're rallying. They're struggling right now. They're slumping. Um, but I have real questions about their defense right now and. And, you know, even though the LA Galaxy haven't been all that impressive either, I have to say. But I'm going to go LA in this one. LA's at home. I know Portland won there in October. I know Portland's the, you know, the road warriors of MLS, or the, they were last year. But I'm going to go LA in this one. Even though there's no Robbie Keane, Robbie Keane's hurt. Uh, and he's a big loss. He's a big loss. Their attack has not, is obviously not clicked like it normally does because he's not there. But they still have, they still got some weapons. And I think their defense uh, holds up well against Portland this time. So I think it, it, maybe it won't be a goal fest. Maybe it'll be a 2-1, 2-1 LA, but I think LA wins. They're at home. I think they'll win. And uh, and that's it. That's the last one. Uh, as far as MLS goes, uh, some great matchups. And again, I'll, I'll, I'm shooting for being at all at the three matchups in the area, Philly, Red Bulls, and uh, NYCFC. So uh, those should be good. Next up, we have to talk U.S. men's national team. No, they didn't play last week. Uh, no, they don't play next week. They actually don't play for a while. But we uh, we do have to talk U.S. national team because Jurgen Klinsmann uh, did did put out some comments this past week, uh, doing his usual uh, spiel where he puts out some 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 thoughts on random things, whether it's you know the play of people in the pool, his looking ahead to to, to future team future competitions, and and he did that. This past week, talking about Copa America, and um, you know, he had a couple of different topics to discuss. One of which was Jordan Morris, and trying to and and kind of trying to pre- preach patience with the young forward. And obviously, Jordan Morris came into the year with a lot of expectations, a lot of pressure on him to to, to perform. Uh, when you go from being a college kid who, who who impresses with the national team to being a full time pro who kind of is expected to do well for the national team. It, it can be a lot to, to handle. And and uh, Jordan Morris has definitely had a bit of a rough go lately. Obviously, with the U23s, they didn't make the Olympics. Uh, he, you know, he, he didn't have necessarily a great playoff series against Colombia. I mean, he did what he could. I don't think the U.S. midfield really helped him. He didn't really have much service to work with. It wasn't really on him at all. But it was still, a, it was definitely a grueling experience for him. Uh, you combine that with... Obviously, the MLS grind, the CONCACAF Champions League grind early on, uh, the national team camp. Uh, so he's been busy. It's been a it's been a, a heck of a th- first three months for him. First three months for Jordan Morris as a pro. And I know some people will be like, oh, boo-hoo. He's a pro now. Suck it up. This is what you do when you're a pro. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure my man Eric Winaldo would say that he, he he got on me a little recently when I uh, when I pointed out that Kyle Aaron might be feeling his own effects of 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 the you know double duty with the with the Canadian national team now he's got a hamstring injury so Eric Winaldo of course trots out the the old uh, you know the old man lines like oh well in my day you know all that kind of stuff and hey look credit to Eric Winaldo and the old guard uh, they had to deal with things that that today's generation definitely didn't have to deal with. But that doesn't mean these guys don't, you know, it can't feel the grind and they can't feel the, the pressure and the and and it and that it can't be it can't it can be overwhelming. It can be uh, something that you have to deal with. And uh, Jordan Morris, I think, is definitely feeling that. And Siggy Schmidt, Sounders coach, came out this week and and, he, and pretty much said it. I mean, he 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 took him out of the starting lineup. He's definitely trying to kind of pump the brakes a little bit uh, and maybe ease things up on on Morris to help him kind of. Have a little bit of a smoother transition because you 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 do get the sense that maybe he's a little burnt out. Because look, college, when you're in the college setup, you just don't get enough games. You don't get enough training. It's not a great environment to to get you ready right away to be a pro. Not not. I'm obviously the biggest defender of college soccer in 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 in, in the sense that 
it's what we have as a development system. So people who bash it are misguided because you shouldn't bash that. You should bash the lack of a true system, of a true player, player de- a, a productive and efficient uh, and successful player development system right now that it, it needs to be developed. And the college game is kind of that, you know, they're kind of the spare tire when you when you don't have a real tire. You don't yell at your spare tire for not being a real tire. It's a spare tire. It gets you where you have to go. And if you didn't have it, you'd be pretty much screwed. And that's that's how I feel about college soccer as it relates to American soccer. If you didn't have college soccer the last five, ten years, where would we be, right? So stop ripping on college soccer. But anyway, off that, I, I'll save that soapbox for another day. Back to the point. Uh, Jordan Morris is definitely feeling it now. Uh, feeling what the real grind is. Because this, I mean, he's not just on a normal rookie grind, right? Because being a rookie in MLS is a grind in, the, in and of itself. It, it, it's a, there, there's a transition. There's a, uh, a d- adaptation process that you have to undergo. And that's just for a normal rookie. That's that's not even for a rookie who also is, is, is double, uh, also with the U.S. national team. And also with the U23s and all that stuff. So it's a, it's a lot. But, you know, hopefully C. Schmidt and Jurgen Klinsmann can can kind of uh, make sure that he doesn't burn himself out and that he does find his his peak. So anyone who wants to write off Jordan Morris already is pretty dumb. If you're already dropping the overrated stuff and, oh, this kid isn't the real deal. And it's like, come on, guys. It's early. It's early. Slow it down. No one's saying he's Superman or Superboy. Uh, but he's also not washed up already because he's maybe struggling a bit dealing with the with, with the you know responsibilities or with the uh, commitments that that he now has. Uh, Klinsman uh, he talked about a couple of different topics. Uh, he did talk about the U23s in general and how there are U23s who he will consider for Copa America. Now that the U23 now that there will be no Olympic Games for the U.S. again for the second cycle in a row. Uh, he is going to consider some U23s for the Copa America, and, and uh, there's no news there, and it's not a surprise. I mean, he obviously you expected him to, to to consider some guys. I mean, obviously John Brooks and DeAndre Allen are technically U23s. They were probably going to be on the on the senior team, but in terms of the guys from the U23 qualifying team itself, uh, Klinsman name checked guys like Miazga, Ethan Horvath. Uh, he actually mentioned Kellen Acosta, which you know, hey, it's all it's fine that he likes him and that he but th- maybe this week was not the time to mention Kellen Acosta because he did not have a good tournament he not or, or a good series he did not play well he played terribly you could definitely argue he was the worst U.S. player against Colombia in that series so uh I don't know if anyone's expecting Kellen Acosta to make the Copa America team I've said it before I like him as a prospect he's a he's a, he's a good young player uh where he is best position to what's his best position that's up for some debate i think maybe midfield is where he should play but he's going to play fullback for fc dallas it seems so uh but anyway back to the whole point uh i don't know how much i buy it as far as you know u23 is how many are going to be on this team i mean there's a couple that you could say for sure have a chance i mean matt miazga if he play if matt miazga plays the rest of the year for chelsea if he starts the rest of the year then yeah sure he's putting himself in a good position but I'll see that. I'll believe that when I see that, you know, because because Gusinink gives you a start against the absolute worst team in the league, does not mean he that like now they're ready to give you the give you the mantle. Like I don't see that. But hey, they play. You know, he plays Swansea City this weekend. If he gets another start, then you start to say, okay, he must be impressing enough that now you have to think about him for Copa America. And maybe he replaces Ventura Alvarado as that young center back on the team because Alvarado should not be anywhere near the Copa America team. But still, we all have to sit here and consider the possibility that Ventura Alvarado could make the Copa America team, even though he is not seeing a whiff of playing time at Club America. But, you know, I digress. Uh, you also have Sebastian Legette. I mean, I'm sorry, not Sebastian Legette. Um, Christian Pulisic. Christian Pulisic, 17 years old, playing for Dortmund. Could he make the Copa America team? Possible. It's possible. Uh, I, I did find it interesting that Klinsman would throw that out there. And maybe it's a bit of a, a you know, bit of a, a kind of a tactic to light a fire under some of the veterans in the pool. You know, when they see that and they hear that and they say, hey, you know, uh, crap. 
he might call in these young guys. I better, I better, you know, get my get my act together. Uh, but we'll see. You know, we'll see what what happens now. And another player that Klinsman mentioned that I'm sure U.S. National League fans were kind of like, "What? No, no, negative." Timmy Chandler, Timmy Chandler, who has not played much uh, in Germany this year, uh, he has had had a bit of a forgettable year, but he's back uh, with Eintracht Frankfurt. He's playing. He played recently, started recently, so he's back on the radar. And I did find it interesting, and and, and, and Klinsman does have this kind of thing where he, you know, he knows he's going to do something that could get to shock some people, so he kind of gets people ready for that by dropping hints like this. So this tells me he has, I, I don't think he has zero intention of calling in Edgar, Edgar Castillo for Copa America, and and. I, I mean, I thought he might, you know, because the pickings are slim. Uh, you know, DeMarcus Beasley, you know, he's 100 years old now. Um, he's still younger than me. But, hey, he's, he's, he's up there in age. I don't know how much he has left. Greg Garz is still, you know, not playing. Uh, the options are pretty slim. But the fact that he mentions Timmy Chandler tells me that, you know, maybe he sees Chandler as being a left-back option for that team. Obviously, Breck Shea, I think, is another one that he he absolutely should consider. But you know what? Is he really going to bring Tim Chandler back? Now, I'm not saying I'm totally 100% against this because I've always been, I don't know. I, I've always felt like Chandler is a good player. He just doesn't do it for the national team. I just feel like if you've ever watched him play in Germany, or even when, when he played, I mean, let's, we're going back a ways now, but when he played a couple of games for, for Bob Bradley, I saw a guy who had some game. I saw a guy who could play. And at fullback, he was clearly better. He's clear. Like, for me, talent-wise, he's one of the absolute best fullbacks in the pool. No question about it. Unfortunately for him in the national team, it doesn't translate when he puts on the national team uniform. And that's the big issue. I mean, are we do have we forgotten the Gold Cup already? I mean, come on. He was awful. He was awful in the Gold Cup. But again, that hasn't stopped Klinsman from bringing guys back. I mean, Vincent Alvarado is still in the picture, even though we all know he was not good in the Gold Cup. So it's a possibility. You know what? I think at this point, the fact that he mentioned him, if Tim Chandler is healthy, Tim Chandler is going to be on the Copa America roster. Book it. Book it. I'm telling you. Because the fact that Klinsman kind of threw this out there and dangled this out there now, he didn't have to. There was no reason for him to mention Tim Chandler, if only to set up U.S. fans so they're prepared. So that it's not out of left field. He does this. This is what he does. Credit. I mean, and you know what? Give I'll give him a little credit on this one. It's a little. It's a clever. It's a clever tactic because you know what? Then it eases the the, the it eases the response because people are already kind of hand wringing now, just because he mentioned it. People are already like, no, what are you kidding? Like, come on, Timmy Chandler, really? So people are gonna burn out, burn themselves out on the on the Chandler hate now. So when he does call him in in May, when he does bring him on Copa America team, I mean there'll still be criticism, but it won't be as strong because people have already done it. They will already they've already will have already spoken their minds. Now for me, I don't mind it because I'll tell you what: if Tim Chandler is playing for Eintracht Frankfurt, if he if he closes out the year getting games, and I know he got games in the past and it didn't really help, didn't really translate, didn't really matter. The left, there's just not left backs. I'm, if you're asking me to choose between Tim Chandler playing game, Tim Chandler who is playing games in Germany, over Edgar Castillo who's playing games in Mexico, I'm going Timmy Chandler. I am not sold on Edgar Castillo by any means. I mean, everybody knows already who I would call. I would call in Jorge Villafania and give him a nice long look. But it doesn't seem like Klinsmann's going to do that, and he should. He should bring him in at least have him in the camp in May. They're going to have a camp, right? They're going to have a Copa America camp. They're not going to pick their 23 and then have a camp. They're going to have a camp and do a cut down, just like they, they've done for all their past tournaments. Um, and I think Viafania should absolutely be one of those guys. Um, and if, for me, if I was picking my team, I would put Viafania on the roster. Um, but right now, it looks like Tim Chandler. Tim Chandler is back on the radar. And for my money, that tells me Klinsman has every intention of bringing him in. So... Get ready, folks. Be ready. Brace yourself because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, and speaking of Copa America rosters, I wrote uh, I put for Gold.com. I my Gold got Gold.com piece this week. I projected Cl what Klinsman's Copa America roster will look like, and, and, and there were no real surprises. Uh, I don't think 
maybe Breck Shea, but I'll run them down for you real quick. Tim Howard, Brad Guzan, David Bingham in goal. Yedlin, Cameron, Beasler, Castillo, Birnbaum, Gonzalez, Brooks, and Shea. And I know maybe maybe Shea surprises, but he's playing really well. We know Klinsman likes him. So that you can mind those two things, and he should make the team if he continues to play well, if he stops trying to break people's legs with these ugly two, two-footed tackles. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, Edgar Castillo is the one that I'm not sold on now because I, I, wrote, I wrote that before Klinsman came out about the Tim Chandler thing. And maybe this was Klinsman's way to let me know that – it's probably not going to be Edgar Castillo because it was like the day, the same, the, like the same day that my, my piece comes out. Uh, Klinsman, uh, you know, comes out with his comments about Chandler. I mean, I didn't even have Chandler in my just missing the cut uh, segment of, of my piece. I had other, I had other uh, Klinsman favorites like uh, Michael Orozco, Ventura Alvarado. Uh, but Tim Chandler, man, Tim Chandler, I, if you ask, if I had, if I could redo my piece now, I'm projecting Tim Chandler in over Edgar Castillo. All the other guys I feel good about. Matt Beasler is a question mark though, because again, he has to he has to recover from this concussion issue. This is a, he has suffered a major concussion. Now he told me that this was his first kind of concussion that he could that he like knew of, like that he felt that this was his first concussion. Now I don't know if it was or it wasn't. I still remember a game a year ago where his face was all bloodied. He took a big shot. I forget who was that hit him. Was it Fernando Adi? I don't. I, it might have been Adi, but whoever it was, he took a big shot. His face was all bloodied. I had to feel he was phased in that one, but apparently that wasn't a concussion. But he said this was his first concussion, and he, it was—it's a bad one. He—it's a bad one. So you know what? We're only—we're less than two months away now. We're six weeks away. If Beasley can't recover, then that obviously frees up a roster spot, and maybe that opens the door for Aventura Alvarado. As much as as much as I'm sure some people would would freak out about Aventura Alvarado making the team, or maybe a Matt Miazga. There you go. Maybe one Matt is replaced by another if if Beasley can't recover. It's something to think about. Definitely something to think about. Uh, and it, okay, midfielders. I had Fabian Johnson, Clint Dempsey, Michael Bradley, Alejandro Bedoya, Jermaine Jones, Kyle Beckerman, Graham Zusi, Darlington Nagby. And I'll be the first to confess, I totally forgot about Jermaine Jones. I put I I put my first roster together. And I like I, Jermaine Jones was like the furthest thing from my mind, and obviously he's not playing. I also feel like he's his like maybe I'm I don't know did I mute him or on, I, I just I mean, I, then again I'm not on Twitter as much as I used to be, but I just don't feel like I've 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 sensed his presence on social media like I used to. So I don't know what that's about. So I just it's like out of sight out of mind. I forgot about Jermaine Jones. I had Lee Win on instead of Jermaine Jones, uh, but obviously if Jermaine Jones is healthy, he will be on this team, and I and I think he should be. I know a lot of people like to say, oh, Jermaine Jones, he's too old. He's no good, blah, blah, blah. Listen, the guy, when the games are when the games really matter, he comes to play. I don't care what anyone says. He comes to play. And he has he brings a toughness and an attitude to that to this team that 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 you need. This team needs that. And it'd be great if there was somebody else to step to give you that kind of that bite, that fire, that attitude that he gives you. But there is not that that does not exist in this player pool. It's not not there anywhere. So you need him. You need him. You still need him. He still should be there. I know Graham Zussi's mention will will, will, will definitely uh, drive some people crazy. Why? Why Graham Zussi? Why Graham Zussi? Um, I think the fact that he came in and was thrown in as a starter in this must-win game against Guatemala shows you that Klinsman still believes in him. And I think people need to realize that Zussi was not 100% last year. So if you want to kind of rate him on la- based on last year's national team performances, it's a little it could it could be a little misleading. Maybe he just wasn't at the level he really can be at. And now he's playing well. He's playing well for Sporting KC. He did well, obviously against Guatemala. He scored the goal. He was he was pretty solid, even though he played centrally. And I will say one thing: what is with people like completely uh, at pretending that Graham Zusi as a central midfielder is this out of nowhere thing? The guy started his career. As an attacking midfielder, as a central midfielder, obviously he eventually morphed out to a winger, played a wide role, and played wide role for the national team. But his it, like his wiring as, is as a central midfielder. He made his bones early on in his career as a central midfielder. So that this is not one of those oh he's being played out of position deals. It, it really isn't. He can play centrally. So I, I mean I felt like I need to just kind of clarify that because I saw that in some places where people were kind of implying and suggesting that. Why is he playing in the central midfield? He's not a central midfielder, but no, he can play there. So 
Uh, and then you have Darlington Nagby, who, you know, for me, absolutely should be on the team. But you know what? Between Nagby and Lee Wynn and, and, a, and a Christian Pulisic, like, uh, you know, it, it, I would say this. Darlington Nagby is not a lock. Now, if it was my team, he'd be a lock. But he's not a lock. Just be ready, folks. Be ready. Darlington Nagby might not make this team. Uh, and, you know, when you when he doesn't even get on the field in, in Columbus against Guatemala, that definitely has to raise some red flags. Now, I don't know if he's 100% healthy or if he's hurt. Because I tell you what, against Orlando City, he was invisible. So I wonder, is he carrying something? Because a couple you know, a couple games in a row, he has in his career been inconsistent where he can go through these spells where he's he's ineffective. Uh, and for that reason, I, I tell you what, he's not a lock. He's not a lock by any means to make that team. And in rounding out the last four, the forwards, Josie Altidore, Giassi Zardes, Red Hot Bobby Wood, and Mr. Jordan Morris. Now, Jordan Morris is not a lock. Um but I think he will make it. I think he'll make it. Unless he's just completely struggles for the next two months in Seattle. I think he'll make it. Chris Wondolowski is also there. I mentioned Rubio Rubin as a dark horse. He just came back for your SCU track. He hasn't even started playing yet. But if he does start to play, if he start to get game, starts to get games in the, in the next month, he could be a dark horse. I mean, he's a talented, talented kid. So he's someone you should not forget. As far as my roster goes, though, the changes that I would make real quick, I would, I mean, I would get Viafania on there over Castillo. I don't know if I would take Tim Chandler, but I would take Viafania over Castillo. Uh, I would probably, you know what, as far as the rest goes, it's pretty much, that's pretty much the group, right? I mean, I mean, Danny Williams, I would probably bring Danny Williams. That's the thing, right? Since you have Jermaine Jones and Kyle Breckerman, that doesn't leave room for Danny Williams. And that's the tough part. I think Daniels is playing well. I think he gives you something in the attack from that defensive midfield position. So I think he's someone who should absolutely be on the radar. If Jermaine Jones or Kyle Breckman is not healthy, you got to get Danny Williams on that roster. Not mixed this screwed. Not any of these other guys. You get Danny Williams on that roster because I think he's playing well. And I think he's someone who, who can give you what you need in the middle. So, so that's it. As far as the U.S. Uh, national team, moving on, Americans abroad. I mentioned it earlier, Bobby Wood, two more goals on Friday, today, earlier today. Uh, he keeps, keeps, keeps killing it. Bobby Wood is rolling right now. And I tell you what, he is going to be playing in a, in a, in a, in a first division next year. I don't know whether it's the Bundesliga, whether it's uh, the Premier League. I mean, I've seen reports of Liverpool uh, potentially being interested. He will be in a first division next year. No doubt about it. And, and it's great to see. I mean, here's a kid who obviously had his struggles. But he's come through that now, and he's really showing his quality. So uh, it's good to see. Uh, as far as another Americans abroad thing to watch this weekend, DeAndre Yedlin and Sunderland take on Leicester City. The Cinderella story. Uh, I'm sure no one expects Sunderland to beat Leicester City. However, it'll be good to watch Yedlin go up against that team and see how he holds up. He's been playing really well defensively, and uh, I think that's a good test for him, obviously. Uh, another good matchup, more good experience for him. So I think that'll be fun to watch. Uh, you definitely want to watch how he does against those guys. Uh, maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see Marez float to his side, and we can see some Yedlin versus Marez action. That'd be great. Uh, and then you have, I think I mentioned it earlier, Matt Miazga and Chelsea go up against Swansea City. Will Miazga start again? And that's the question. Because uh, uh, call me a cynic, right? Call me a bit of a cynic. They start Miazga against Aston Villa, and then they have him do like. 20 interviews this week i mean he did and so it, it, in a way it, it feels a little like propaganda for chelsea right because if you're chelsea you want to make your imprint in the u.s so you get you take your american player you play him against the absolute worst team in the in the premier league and then you trot him out for for a you know a dozen or so interviews uh you know quote-unquote exclusive interviews even though there's a dozen of them uh, so, you know, hopefully he gets to start. I hope he starts the rest of the year and really has a chance to kind of grow into, into being comfortable on that level. Because I mean, he's, ta there's no question the kid's talented. Absolutely none. He's a very talented kid. You just want to see how, how, like how Chelsea really rates him. And I don't think starting against Villa is necessarily telling us that where they rate him. I think giving him more games will show us that Chelsea's serious about him. So we'll see. This is going to be interesting to see. I hope, I hope he gets to play again. Moving on to European soccer, and we have to look back on the UEFA Champions League uh, midweek action. The quarterfinals are underway, and uh, we saw Barcelona rebound from their 
their Clásico defeat uh, to beat Atlético Madrid and was a real dramatic game. Atlético scored first. Uh, for Fernando Torres with the goal slash red card double, which you obviously never want to see. But uh, you know, I had no issues with the cards. Uh, they were really for me. They were just dumb plays for him. Totally deserved two yellows, and uh, it was unfortunate there for Atlético, who you know played well. It's still going to be a good game, good second leg at the uh, Vicente Calderón, Barcelona with a two-one win. But Atletico does have the the away goal, so you know not to say that Atletico will shut Barcelona out. We all know how tough that is, but it's going to be a hell of a game. You're not going to want to miss that one. Then you have PSG Man City. Uh, first leg ended in a one-one draw. Uh, a bit of a shocker for a bit of a shocking goal for City. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, it was a two-two draw. Uh, City, they're going to feel bad about the goal that they gave up. The one uh, where Fernando kicks it off of a. Uh, Zlatan's leg and it goes in. I know I saw some people getting on Joe Hart about that, but come on, folks, it's not Joe Hart's fault. If he can't count on a, a multi-million dollar international midfielder to dribble out of what wasn't even pressure at the time of, of 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 him receiving the ball, that's not on Joe Hart. I mean, if I'm Joe Hart and I'm standing back there and and I look to my left and I see, uh, m- you know, Mangala, in am I going to play him the ball? I mean, are you, obviously, Man City wants to play the ball on the ground. They want to play it out of the back. It's Mangala or it's Fernando. Fernando had all types of space. He botched it. It was all. It was on Fernando. Completely on Fernando. So I feel like people who want to rip on Joe Hart uh, are looking at it from the, the standpoint of they wouldn't want to have received that ball either. But you're not Fernando. Fernando's an internet Brazilian international. He should be able to handle that. He is not Joe Schmo from the pub league. He should be able to handle that. He botched it. But still, Man City. They have to feel pretty good. Uh, to 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 come away with a draw. In in Paris, and now they go back, uh, they go back to uh, to Manchester in a game that you know it's there for the it's there for the taking for them. Uh, could it be the end of 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 uh the Zlatan era at PSG? I think PSG comes back to win that one. I, even though they're on the road, I think I think they win that one. So, uh, that one will bear watching. Uh, we'll see we'll see how that one goes. Uh. But uh, next up, we have obviously the big surprise of the of the round: Wolfsburg beating Real Madrid 2-0. Clearly, Real Madrid was suffering from that classical victory hangover. Uh, they enjoyed it a little too much, and I know, I know. I mean, we saw the we saw the videos and, and the reactions to Real Madrid winning at the Camp Nou, and they clearly enjoyed it too much. They overlooked Wolfsburg, and they got smacked in the mouth. Now it's 2-0. And obviously, you can't count Real Madrid out. Real Madrid is still a team that could do damage, and they'll be at home for the second leg. But I don't know, man. I think Wolfsburg. I don't know if Wolfsburg going to lay down for this one. I think I think they can get a goal at Madrid. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, I think Real Madrid should come back and win this one, but it is not going to be easy. Last but not least, Bayern holding off Benfica 1-0. It wasn't the most impressive result, but Bayern will take it. I think they're still going to cruise to the next round. Uh, Elsewhere in Europe, you had obviously the Europa League. You had Jurgen Klopp returning to Dortmund. Uh, Dortmund Liverpool ending in a one-one draw. Uh, it, it, it didn't. It didn't live up to the hype. Eh, not quite. It didn't quite live up to the hype. But I think the second leg is going to be very, very exciting. Obviously, bad news for Liverpool. Jordan Henderson injured uh, could be out for Euros. I mean, he's going to have to sweat it out now. Uh, but you know, obviously, that's a tough one. He won't be there for the next leg. Uh, Hopefully the second leg is 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 more what we've expected from this series, uh, and then just to give you a little heads up for the weekend, if you're wondering what am I, what do I want to watch this weekend? Uh, there's there's a lot of good matchups: Tottenham, Manchester United, West Ham, Arsenal, uh, AC Milan, Juventus, Schalke against Borussia Dortmund. You have Valencia and Sevilla, and uh, last but not least in Mexico you have Pachuca. And Tigres. Uh, so those are all great. You definitely, you know, set your DVRs. Uh, there's there's going to be a ton of soccer to watch. And that's not even including, obviously, MLS uh, and all the other things you can watch, uh, including NASL. Yes, the NASL is back week two. Uh, and uh, you have three matches on Saturday. You have the BN Sports showcase match, which is Indy 11 against Ottawa. Two teams that will be looking, still looking, for, they're looking for their first wins of the season. Uh and that's in, I believe that's in Indy. And then you have Miami FC taking on Tampa Bay Rowdies. Now we know Miami FC, 
nearly almost got a win in their first match. They uh, they gave it up late, uh, settled for a draw against Fort Lauderdale. Now they take on a Tampa Bay team that that had a disappointing first game, uh, di- didn't score a goal and uh, settled for a tie in their opener. But now we have this this uh, clash of Florida, this South Florida battle. Or not South Florida battle, but Florida battle. And uh, let's see if the Rowdies, with all the firepower that they have, can get on the scoreboard. Uh, I don't know what Freddie Adu's status is for this one. But with or without Freddie Adu, they still have so much talent there. Uh, when you want to talk about Tom Heinemann and, and Eric Avila, Khalifa Hassan. I mean, they, they have enough weapons to score goals. So we'll see how that Miami FC defense holds up. You have Ryo OKC taking on the Carolina Railhawks. Obviously, the Railhawks starting off with a, an impressive win over Minnesota to begin the year. Uh, they're a team that I think could do some damage. Now, Ryo OKC obviously ha- ha- had the high-profile signings of the offseason. Uh, so we'll see. You know, it didn't necessarily translate in the opener. But maybe in this home opener, we'll, in this home match uh, this weekend, we'll see what they can do against a tough Carolina team. On Sunday, you have FC Edmonton against Minnesota. Minnesota with a chance to rebound. This, even though this is they're on the road, you, you want to think Minnesota can get the three points in this one. And then you have Cosmo, the New York Cosmos, playing host to Tony Miola and the Jacksonville Armada. And uh, Tony Miola is the head coach now of Jacksonville, so I'm very, very much looking forward to see how he does against uh, against his former uh, his former Metro Stars teammate Giovanni Savarese and the New York Cosmos. That's going to be a fun one. That's on Sunday evening. Uh, Unfortunately, I will be at Yankee Stadium, but uh, I'll definitely try to take a peek at that one because I think that one will be a good one as far as the NSL tilts go. Last but certainly not least, in general, the last topic of the day, U.S. Women's National Team. They uh, they played uh, they just played Columbia up in Connecticut, 7-0 victory. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't I don't know who scored the touchdown for the U.S. Women, but they got the 7-0 win in this in the friendly another packed house for them. Let's face it. Wherever they go in the country, they're gonna. If they haven't been there before, they're gonna sell it out. They're gonna because you know what? They have fans everywhere. They're the world champions. They're the they're the you know they're the love of every soccer playing young soccer playing girl. Every soccer playing soccer playing female in America uh, should love them because they they they're amazing. Uh, but now they play Colombia again in Chester on Sunday. Uh, is it in Chester? I'm sorry. It's uh, well they play in Philly. Uh, against Colombia and uh, another friendly. And this is starting to feel a little like the Harlem Globetrotters against the Washington Generals, right? I mean, these matches are, are these friendlies are, are hardly ever competitive. Uh, but they are what they are. You know, they're just exhibitions. They're not, they're, uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, the U.S. women are the best team in the world. And there aren't that many teams in the world who can play them and not get embarrassed by them. I mean, you can't play Canada 50 times a year. I mean, that's a great match when they play. Uh, and how often does France and teams like do teams like France and Germany really want to come to the U.S. to to play these these showcase matches? I mean, it's not it's not that simple. So uh, I understand why, but it, it it does get a little it does feel like a little monotonous at times that the U.S. just you know they play these games that it's not it's almost not a test. It's almost like a glorified scrimmage uh, for them. But you know what? Th- th- these are the problems of a powerful world champion. What can you do? Uh, so we'll see how it goes, and if anything, Jill Ellis is, is is getting a chance to look at some new faces and and uh, see who in the next generation is ready to step up ahead of Rio in the Olympics. And uh, that's gonna wrap it up. I think I think we've covered every possible topic that we could get into. Uh, I'm sure I missed some things, but trying to get the show out before my trip down to Philly for Union uh orlando city and uh again i i hope i hope you guys are kind of settling into this format uh i'm not saying it's going to stick with this just me by myself format but it sometimes it just makes it a lot easier uh just when you know depending if it's a crazy week and there's a lot going on and other people that i you know that i would want to try to get on you know i can't get at the time or it just works out better for me to be able to record when i need to record but going forward i am definitely working on trying to get some guests and obviously I'm going to be at three matches this weekend. So that's going to be a good opportunity to try to line up some guests for next week's show, next week's shows. So, uh, uh, stay tuned for that. I know I feel like I keep saying it all the time, but that, you know, that is the plan. That is the plan. The plan is not for me to sit here and talk to you guys for an hour. As much as I know, a lot of you love my, uh, my dulcet tones and my, 
my smooth voice. But uh, yeah, like I said, we'll definitely try to get guests on uh, for the next show, which will probably drop on Monday afternoon. I'm looking to record on Monday morning and see who we can. Monday morning slash early afternoon, drop an afternoon show. Hopefully we can get some good guests on on Monday morning. So uh, I think that's it. Uh, that's it for me. Uh, I'm trying to think what else is going on. TV, obviously, the American Idol's done. Uh, I, I, I used to watch it with my wife, and I'm, I'm kind of glad it's over. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. The Walking Dead is over. Season finale. I'm not gonna spoil it for anybody. I can't believe. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so that was good. That was really good. I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna miss Walking Dead until it comes back. One of my favorite shows, no doubt about it. And uh, and I think that is it. And once again, if you have any questions, if you ever want to send a question, tweet it to me with the hashtag Ask the SBI Show. And it does. It, it do it whatever you want. And if if I get enough people asking questions, I'll answer them on the show. Uh, I'll I'll check the hashtag regularly. I will tweet out asking for questions. But in general, if you have a question, just tweet it at me with that hashtag. And uh, I think that's it, man. I think we've covered it all. Once again, if you have not given us given me a review or given our the show a review on iTunes, please do so. We haven't had one in a while. Let us know how we're doing. Let let, let me know what you think of the format, what you like, what you don't like. If you love it, let me know. If you hate it, let me know. Just let me know. I, I like getting feedback. Uh, I, you know, it, it will definitely help. It will definitely help with the show. So uh, thank you for that. And uh, definitely leave comments in the comment section as well on SBI uh, as well. So, yeah, stay tuned uh, this weekend. Definitely check out my Facebook page. I'll have updates from all three stadiums that I'll be at this weekend. And uh, and, and, and be sure to join me on Monday. I'll have a, I'll have a new episode then. So that's all for now. I'm Ivis Galarza. This is the SBI Show.